0: He paid it all upon the cross No longer bound by sin or with eternal loss He took my sin, washed it
1: away When I was immersed in that watery grave I heard that gospel call because He paid it all Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Been There, Read That podcast. This program is brought to you, as always, by ChristianResearcher.com. And today we're going to do a special interview with my brother-in-law, Jamie Thompson. Jamie, it's good to have you on the program today, man. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jamie does a Bible study with me on a weekly basis on Monday evenings, and what we started doing this year was studying through the Pentateuch together, and recently we finished reading... Richard P. Belcher's Commentary on Genesis. It's part of the Focus on the Bible Commentary series. And I asked Jamie if he would come on the program with us today and kind of walk us through that book, talk about pros and cons, and uh, answer several different questions along the way. I appreciate you being willing to do that, Jamie, and get some uh, feedback, some insight onto this book. Sure. Um, Is this your first time... Being introduced to Richard Belcher? No, it's not actually, and I didn't realize this till about halfway through the book. Um, I, I
0: have uh, Finding Favor in the sight of God um, by okay. Belcher as well that you'd actually recommended me when I was trying to study yeah. in Proverbs. It's an okay. um, overview of uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job.
1: Okay. Well, what do you think about that book in general?
0: I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it's in the New Studies in Biblical Theology series. Um, and it's a, quite a bit different style from this um, commentary on Genesis, I feel like. Um, and I, I didn't so much agree with all that he had uh, to say about Ecclesiastes, but I, mm-hmm. I, I thought that all his um, points, whether I agreed with them or not, were very thought-provoking. left me with something to mm-hmm. think about.
1: That series, if you're not familiar with it, uh, the Studies in New Testament Biblical Theology, uh, D.A. Carson is the general editor on it, and all of those books are really, really well done. Everything is highly documented. They're very scholarly, yet at the same time accessible, like that that book by Belcher. I didn't feel like it was over your head, but it was definitely challenging and provoking, to your point.
0: Yeah.
1: And I really enjoyed his material there on uh, Proverbs in particular. Yeah. Um, But like you said, it is a bit of a different style.
0: I think it's a bit more technical, a bit more scholarly, but uh, still readable, like you say. Uh, Especially like um, the last section, it ties it into the New Testament. and compares the the wisdom Mm -hmm. literature uh, in the Old Testament with Jesus and his teachings and how he fulfills wisdom and embodies it and expands upon it.
1: Okay. So... Having read some of Belcher before, and then obviously having just finished this commentary on Genesis, what's kind of some background information on Belcher that people need to be aware of before they, you know, kind of pick up and start running with him?
0: Well, he's from a, a Presbyterian background, so he um, mm-hmm. has Reformed theology is what he's coming mm-hmm. from. Although I was looking looking into it a little bit, it seems like he's from a pretty, a, well, re- relatively conservative branch, um, so he holds mm-hmm. to a high view to Scripture. Um, yep. and, uh, which is evident in his commentary. But, of course, we need mm-hmm. to be mindful of Calvinism um, as we yep. read him. He's got quite a section on infant baptism uh, here in Chapter 8. Yep. And uh, I noticed that four out of the six uh, study questions at that chapter were about, about baptism. So it seems like he's got mm-hmm. a little bit of an axe to grind at, at that stage.
1: Yeah, in fact, he's written an entire book on infant baptism. So when you're dealing with that question, um, on one hand, he's a bad guy. On the other hand, he's the guy that you might consider reading if you were going to be debating infant baptism, because he's, he's very outspoken and, and highly regarded from that standpoint. Yeah. And um, yeah.
0: He's, he's From the way he's writing, he's clearly very passionate about that particular subject
1: yeah um I, I can agree with that I don't know what what sparks his interest in it as much but apparently there is a lot of interest there on his part and um, uh, to go along with that coming from a Reformed background like most truly reformed guys he's all, also a covenant theologian and that came up at one point in this commentary we'll talk about that when we get there but um that's what you said is really helpful people need to be, when you read from a Reformed background, light belcher you need to be aware of calvinism you need to be aware of covenant theology though on the positive side a very high view of inspiration and uh some really pretty good conservative insights along the way too
0: i think it comes up especially in chapter uh, genesis chapter three his comments on that talking about the fall and sin
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i i was surprised um he had a little bit in chapter two. I was expecting the avalanche to come in chapter three, where it typically does with a Calvinist, but he had some in chapter two and it kind of blew my mind. I, I just, I guess I mentally wasn't prepared for it in two. And so that that aspect is a little, uh, not, I wouldn't say a little, it is disappointing, but at the same time expected. And you have to go into it with your eyes open from that perspective. Is, is this the first volume you've read out of this Focus on the Bible commentary series?
0: Uh, yes. I have two, I have the 1st and 2nd Kings volumes, but I've read about 10 pages of it. so That's on my, okay. my pile of shame, as it were.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I have one of those too, the unread <laughs> books or the started but never finished type yeah. deal. Um, I, I discovered this series a while back. It's not as popular here in the States. It's written by guys who are predominantly in Europe in the UK area, and it's, I guess you'd say, more popular over there, but anyway, the guys in this series are high inspiration, high view of inspiration guys, and they've written on almost all the books of the Old Testament, there's some standout volumes, and I first discovered Alan Harmon wrote the Isaiah volume, and he did a really good job. He was one of the first guys that I found that I felt like took the correct position on the virgin birth prophecy in Isaiah chapter seven, uh, teaching that Matthew has it right when he quotes it in Matthew chapter one, rather than ripping it out of context. And so that really kind of piqued my interest in the series. And then you and I read a book together. Um, you're going to have to help me out with this by Jason DeRucci, what the Old Testament authors really yeah, cared about. Is that Okay. So that's like a survey of the Old Testament, all the Old Testament books. And in that book, at the end of each chapter, as it comes to the conclusion of discussing, you know, say, 1 Samuel or Second Samuel, it gives some recommended reading. And every one of them from, I think, Joshua through 2 Kings recommended Del Ralph Davis from the Focus on the Bible Commentary series. And the more I've gotten to read in those books of the Bible, everybody references or recommends del ralph davis and so between Harmon davis i think james hamilton wrote the song of solomon and then belcher here on genesis there's some really good authors who are kind of tied in with this series and one that i'm trying to familiarize myself with quite a bit and based on what i've read here in genesis i'm interested in reading some more in the series Uh, How would you describe the style of this Genesis commentary by Belcher? I think it's it's kind of got a narrative style.
0: Um, It seems like he takes the the style, the the genre of the the book of Genesis, and he takes time to explain what's happening in the story in his own words and draw out the significant points of the narrative. Mm
1: -hmm. I think that's pretty good. I like – he gives you structure, but he doesn't kind of go overboard with structure it's building more kind of like a big picture view. Would that be a fair way of describing it? I think
0: that's, that's, that's right. Yeah.
1: Um, he, he's not really doing a a verse by verse commentary by any means, but he's taking kind of each story on its own account and trying to tell the story and show where they link up to other stories within the book mm -hmm. as a whole. Yeah. And I think that's really helpful.
0: Yeah, that's certainly not the way that I've looked at Genesis before, so I, I thought that was one of the real strengths of the book, okay. uh, that he is, he's able to show you from beginning to end how it links together.
1: Yeah, have you ever uh, done much study in Genesis or read any other commentaries in Genesis? I, I have a little bit, but um, it,
0: it the, the commentaries I've looked at were kind of verse by verse, and I, I would just pull out a few verses mm-hmm. here and there. I wouldn't I haven't read through a commentary mm-hmm. before, um, and so yeah. this was uh, a very different experience. Uh, and I really enjoyed having that connection between uh, each of the stories, mm-hmm. uh, explaining the themes of the book rather than what individual words mean.
1: Mm-hmm. There's there's kind of that give and take because, like, when you read a big picture view like this, it always leaves you wanting more <laughs> details, like on. Particular stories like you find one really fascinating, and you really want to dive into it more, but that's not really the purpose of the book. However, on the other hand, when you're reading like a critical commentary, um, you end up just studying a few verses and not seeing the big picture and seeing some of the connections between different stories. So it's kind of I like reading a book like this where you get the big Mm -hmm. picture view first and then you know where you want to zoom in and go back and focus in more right, detail. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I walk away from from this book was I'd like to do some more reading in Genesis and you know what what style of commentary would I go after and one he recommended I felt like in every footnote he was quoting from yeah. Matthew's which is part of the New American Commentary series. In fact, I purchased both of those volumes to have cuz he quoted so heavily from it. And definitely something that I'm probably going to start using as a resource because uh, Matthew always seemed to take a very conservative and uh, pretty sound approach, as he was being quoted at least. But, um, anyway, I, I like I like the general styling of the book, and that's kind of how all the volumes in this series are styled. They're not verse by verse, but just kind of big picture narrative uh, focus with a structure basis as well. Um what were some of Belcher's strengths do you feel like as a writer and then some of the standout points that you, that you learned along the way?
0: Um, well, I, I felt like his, his narrative style was, um, a strength of his, uh, it was very readable and very interesting. I didn't want to put it down. Uh, it was, sometimes it was hard not to read ahead of the group. Uh, but, uh, I felt like, um, his, what You already alluded to that he kind of bases it on um, the whole book on the structure of Genesis and then goes down the, the story from there. I thought that was uh, very helpful and a big strength of the book. He, he spends a good deal of time in the introduction uh, talking about the, the structure, and then at the beginning of many of the chapters he'll talk about um, the, I think was it was the Toledot, is that how you pronounce it, or the generations of uh, yes. whichever right. patriarch. And that kind of gives a a narrative structure to to hang the stories upon and uh, makes it easier to understand Mm -hmm. the themes of the book and how they connect together. And Mm -hmm. I felt like, um, in particular, the introduction, the introduction was kind of a different style to the rest of the book. It was more scholarly, a little bit more difficult to read. It gets more technical, um, I guess, to set up Mm -hmm. the rest of the book and to um, refute. Uh, different ideas, mostly kind of a low view of scripture, like um, creation. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he takes the position that creation is in six literal days and he refutes other positions. And um, mm-hmm. he, he takes the position that Moses is the author of um, Genesis and the rest yeah. of the Pentateuch refutes positions that question that.
1: Yeah, yeah that was, to me, the introduction alone is worth the price of the book because his succinct discussion of the documentary hypothesis is helpful without overwhelming people. It introduces people to the key concepts so that you can go on and read other guys who do longer discussions if you want to, or you can discover that uh, is just kind of a waste of time. And so avoid it <laughs> altogether. If you want to take that approach. Um, but his, I thought his discussion of the days of creation versus the day-age theory, the long eons of time, the gap theory, he goes through, I don't know, like 12 or 15 different positions, and he'll give a two- or three-point critique of each one. And then finally he comes down and presents his position, kind of the traditional six literal consecutive days that God did it. And I thought that was just outstanding, some of the best material I've ever read in a succinct, accessible, um, logical discussion type of a manner, and like I said to me, that's it's worth the price. I thought he was also right fair there. to the other
0: positions. He didn't go in tearing them down. He um, yeah. presented them, uh, and some of them seemed quite reasonable until yeah. he leveled some objections. And he gave footnotes mm-hmm. for all the positions. I felt like he did mm-hmm. a good job um, being fair to the views of others. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think he was. Very fair. I th- yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, when you talk about him being a good narrative, like a storyteller, basically, what were a couple of the stories that he told that really kind of stand out in your mind? Uh, that you my really favorite, going, I guess, through? was
0: the, the last few chapters, the story of Joseph. Um, maybe it's because I didn't know enough about Joseph <laughs> to begin with, but I thought he did a, a really excellent job uh, explaining what really was going on in the family of jacob and the dysfunction that was there and uh, how god provided uh for uh, the, the the promised seed through joseph um in egypt and then uh how joseph was uh testing his brothers to see if they'd reformed character and you know it's, it's it's about 10 chapters in the genesis that's devoted to that and uh, I thought he did a really good job drawing out those mm-hmm. uh, those points and the themes that were developed earlier in the book. And, you know, it, it starts with Abraham being deceitful to Pharaoh uh, over his wife Sarah saying that she's his sister. And you see those seeds uh, mm-hmm. bearing fruit in later generations where um, his descendants have learned to be deceitful as well and that's have to overcome in uh, the story of Joseph. And I thought he did a really good job explaining uh, how all that comes to fruition.
1: Yeah, his discussion about Joseph testing his brothers that you mentioned, I thought that was really outstanding uh, job he did in that presentation. I've taken that position and that material for granted for a long time because growing up, Dad used to preach a sermon about every meeting on Joseph and taught that, and I, I kind of thought that was – um i guess standard or a common position but i discovered that in the two studies i've gone through this material that was kind of new material to a lot of the guys in those groups and so i was really glad that he went through that and i thought it did a really excellent job of of telling that story and, yeah, and making this case that for that position
0: after a discussion on it that night um i uh, was really pumped up i went and told my wife about it and she said why would you think anything else so she obviously she obviously had the same point of view it as you she grew up listening to it and just assumed that's whatever. everyone yeah. thought
1: yep <laughs> yeah i loved um probably my favorite story from his telling uh-huh. it was the story of jacob and all of the deceit and twist and turns that keep coming back around on Jacob was, I thought he just did a really good job telling all that story. And as I was reading through it, I thought, you know, this is, this kind of how you need to preach this material. This is how you learn to tell stories like this and highlight key points along the way, link these stories up. He does a really good job in his writing of showing where one story is to be heard, if you will, in light of another story that either came before it or that's coming after it. And, um, I think that's really helpful. That's one of my favorite parts of kind of narrative-based commentaries where guys are concerned about structure and or picking up on little points like that. Um, one of the things, a couple of points that I like beyond his discussion, like the six days, that was where he was in kind of like a doctrinal discussion, if you will. He had a couple of different doctrinal discussions along the way, some not so helpful, like the infant baptism you mentioned earlier. And then others that I thought were really helpful, like he discusses in um, Genesis, I think it's Genesis 6, I'm losing thoughts. Genesis 5 or 6, where you have the sons of God oh. intermarrying with the daughters of men. And a lot of people take this position that that's angels coming down and sleeping with women and they're creating these Nephilim hybrid oddities and whatnot. He does a good job of refuting that position and talking about the seed line of Seth intermarrying with the seed line of Cain. And I thought some of the best succinct discussion of that and refutation of a commonly held position that I've read in one place. And so I was very pleased with that. And I was also pleased when we were reading in Genesis 2 that he took the position that the roles, role distinctions between men and women were established in Genesis 2 rather than in Genesis 3 at the fall. And that's always kind of refreshing when you come across a guy. I wasn't expecting that out of him, uh, to be honest. But I was very pleased when we read through that and he was taking the right position on things. Um, talking about his talking about his strengths. What were some of his weaknesses or, or drawbacks as either, uh, you know, as a writer or as uh, a doctrinal standpoint? Really, the for one for that.
0: You? Um, really uh, stands out to me we'd already mentioned it is the infant baptism not just because he takes the wrong position on that but mm-hmm. he also i mean he does try and be fair and he, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think but um he does mention uh, mm-hmm. some other positions but he like i said he's clearly very passionate about it and he's actively doing it and i guess mm-hmm. uh a an additional yeah. um weakness with that position is that He wanders away from the text. It's a discussion of circumcision, and he has like a five or six-page discussion about um, baptism, infant baptism. And and the the link is, he says, it's similar Mm -hmm. to circumcision. But he's really wandering away from the text to pursue his own agenda. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's uh, quite a weakness in it. I wish it had been edited out, but there you go.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's spot on. And one thing I told the guys as we read through that section was that you realize that with Belcher, it's not so much about the concept of infants being born in sin there as it is placing people under the covenant and trying to, it's that covenant theology, the continuation of all the covenants coming through. And that's something I'm not sure, you know, a lot of folks from a church Christ background are aware of when they're talking to reformed people. And so you get to witness that and, to your point, I felt like he was trying to be fair. He was quoting other position, but the other position he's contrasting himself with is believers baptism, which is also a false position. So you have like one false position arguing with another false position and the blind leading the blind, fighting yeah. the blind rather than leading the blind, I guess. And you're just st- standing back and, and witnessing this and um it has a little bit of value as far as if you're going to have a discussion with a covenant theologian reformed guy about infant baptism. But outside of that, there wasn't much of a redeeming quality there. Um, he had little bits and pieces interspersed here and there about faith only salvation. Um, I didn't feel like he harped on those different aspects of Calvinism a lot. There were a couple instances where they came up, um, The other thing I think about was when we were in Genesis 2 in particular, he presented the covenant of works position, and I was disappointed with that. The covenant works position is that they believe God made a covenant. uh, Some people call it the Adamic uh, covenant or the creation covenant, and they claim that there was no grace demonstrated prior to that, so it's all purely a covenant of works, and if if Adam can keep it, then he has earned his right to go to heaven. And I think part of the, the craziness of the position is God has created this paradise and placed Adam in the paradise, and he said, keep my law, and if Adam keeps the law, he can't say, I deserve to have been, A, created, and B, placed in the paradise, and mm-hmm. C, get to dwell with you eternally. Uh, looks like if there is a covenant of creation, which um, I didn't feel like he made a like a super strong case for. I have read cases where I thought were pretty strong, and I'm a little bit undecided on that. But if there were, it's certainly not a covenant of works. Uh, but that is uh, well, you know, I feel like a also background coming out there. I feel like he's
0: also going against the picture he's painting of the theme of Genesis, of um, God's uh, providing a, a line. What? Let me back up. To start with, he's... Um, he creates the the world for mankind to uh, multiply, the image of God and to glorify God, mm-hmm. and and then after sin comes in,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he, he, he is tracing the line of uh, uh, to bring redemption into the world, ultimately culminating in Jesus. And I feel like this uh, covenant mm-hmm. of works thing is out of place and. The themes of Genesis that Belcher himself is espousing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, it's like any book. I say this all the time. It's it's got chicken and bones, as brother Ron Quarter would say. It's got positives and some negatives. Um, how do you feel like overall? How does it? balance out in the whole overall, scheme overall What very was your helpful. overall impression um, of the book?
0: There are some uh, downsides, but I feel like uh, for the most part, he's, he stayed true to the text and explained it very well and um, was very helpful in understanding more of the structure of Genesis and the, the themes that it develops into the rest of the Bible.
1: So if you had to give like a, a grade of a, on a scale of one to 10, how, what, what kind of number would you grade it out as you say? Okay. I had it as a seven. Yeah. So we're there in pretty close. Um, what kind of level of difficulty as far as reading, um, would you put it on a well, scale of I'll one to 10? I'll caveat
0: this by saying that I haven't read nearly as many books as you. So, <laughs> um, I felt like it was a, about a four or a five. Um, I didn't think it was uh, overly technical. The the other things that I've read in Genesis are like Carl and DeLitch, where there's the Hebrew involved, and it's very technical and helpful, but Mm -hmm. you have to work real hard to understand just one verse. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't um, so easy that there was no meat in there. I felt like it was middle of the road.
1: Well, cool. I I graded it as a four, and... I'm always curious what other people say because I'll read a book and I'll think, ah, you know, I think this is about a four and I'll give it to somebody (laughs) and they're like, ah, this was so tough. And this is like a seven or an eight. And I'm thinking, oh man, I, I don't know. I, I never know exactly how my scale is going to match up to somebody else's scale. And there's some books where I think, man, this is like an eight or nine. And another guy saying, no, this is like a five. And so,
0: yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm glad to
1: hear our numbers are right there together on that. Um, who would you recommend yeah, would, this book to, or would you recommend this book? Right, yeah. I, I would assume that you um, would. I, on I think that, eight, that I would but... recommend it to someone
0: um, who's understands the value of the Old Testament to our Christian faith. I, I say that because I feel like uh, a lot of people perhaps mm-hmm. don't have that grounding and think that the Old Testament is just kind of the... The first part of the Bible that we don't read or it doesn't apply to us uh, and I think that um, it would be beneficial for someone without that grounding to read some material understanding uh, how the the Old Testament is beneficial to us and how we can use it for uh, our knowledge of God and uh, practically in our Christian lives um, so uh, I would kind of uh, I, I would recommend it to someone at an intermediary intermediate level.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's what I was I kind of thinking along those yeah. lines. Like I think of congregational teachers. There's someone who has a background uh, in the new Testament, generally speaking. Um, they are familiar with Calvinism and some of the, the dangers there they're familiar with. Um, the fact that infant baptism is wrong type deal. So it's not something I would give to a new convert but I think for someone who has some grounding in the Bible, it would challenge them to investigate a book further yep. that maybe they haven't spent a lot of time in before and help give them a pretty solid foundation off of which to build and uh, again kind of take that next step up. This is, I wouldn't say this is an elementary introductory read. This is kind of like an in- intermediate introduction to the book of Genesis. There's certainly. Deeper levels yeah. to go into, but it's pretty uh, well-rounded. I like your
0: point about being to the Book well-rounded of in the New Testament because I, I feel like part of the point of the Pilchers trying to accomplish is uh, making connections to the New Testament. And without that background of knowing the mm-hmm. redemptive story of the New Testament and yeah. knowing doctrinal matters, it's um, hard to see the echoes of the themes of, of Genesis. And it would be more valuable if you have that background, mm-hmm. I suppose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like a two way street. Always look at it as on the one hand, if you don't have the background, in the new Testament, you're not going to appreciate some of what you're reading in the old. Then on the other hand, if you don't have the background in the old, right. you're not going to be appreciating <laughs> some of what you're reading in the new. And it's a, it's kind of a catch 22. Yeah. And the only way I know to <laughs> remedy that is to read both <laughs> and, uh, which takes time, but, uh, Again, I think there was, to your point, if you have some background in the new, this is a particular book that you can appreciate some of those connections with. And as we went through it as a group, I felt like there were several kind of light bulb moments for guys. And that's that's exciting to see that occur for people and see them get excited about different points along the way and yeah. kind of fuel that desire to grow some more. Um, I thought this was a really good book for A group read like we did in our study, because one there were those learning points. Two, it's helping us paint the big picture. We can kind of build off of that together. And three, in these areas where he had some pitfalls like Calvinism or infant baptism or uh, covenant of works, it was a safe setting to have that discussion and to discuss some of the nuances of it and how you might interact. Well, I think that's one of my favorite parts about the
0: the reading group that we have is that this is a safe space, like you say, to if there is some false doctrine, um, if if I don't pick up on it, there's another brother who can mm-hmm. point it out um, and vice versa. And we can discuss it and mm-hmm. um, see the, the weaknesses and also the strengths and other, other points.
1: And so to, to something you said earlier you said Belcher was fair when he presented other positions. I like that about Belcher, and I think that's something we need to strive towards as well. Is if we're going to disagree with a guy, we need to know his position and allow him to state his position, so we we know where we're disagreeing, not not just building like a straw man to tear down. And yeah, uh, I agree with you. The truth can stand on its own. Well, anything else you want to uh, um, no, add I in really here before we're I done, I appreciate Jimmy. the
0: opportunity to talk about it. I'm, I'm trying to get uh, some of the guys at local congregation to read through it again. I think I'll get, gain just as much out of reading it the second time and uh, seeing the things that didn't stick.
1: Yeah, Well, I appreciate you uh, doing the work with us, sticking with us through the read, all your input along the way, and for taking this time out to come on the podcast to – to share with us your thoughts on the book and for, I know you listen to the podcast a lot and have helped promote it. And I really appreciate that as well, but, um, look forward to our next go. We're, we're just jumping into Alec Macher's commentary on the book of Exodus. And I don't know, in a couple months or however long it takes to get done with that, I'm going to plan on getting you or, or another one of the guys in the group back on here to do a discussion of that as well. So appreciate your input, man. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this evening. Thank you for listening to the program. Be sure to tune in next week for another uh, episode of the Been There, Read That podcast. Subscribe to it. You can find us on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, and a lot of other places where podcasts are available. Share it with your friends. Subscribe. If you have any questions, you can submit them to us at christianresearcher at gmail.com. Check out our website, christianresearcher.com, where you can find a copy of of the book we've discussed today, The Commentary on Genesis, by Richard P. Belcher, Jr., from the Focus on the Bible Commentary series. Thanks, and have a great evening. Better is
0: our sacrifice He paid the, he
1: paid the price The price He paid it all upon the cross No longer
0: bound by sin Or with eternal loss He took
1: my sin and washed it away, when I was immersed in that watery grave. I heard that gospel call because he paid it all.